Thanks, Linda, very much. Please keep um, that passage open in front of you, and uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning as we've prayed in a song, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change us and transform us, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Connor, I think the uh, connection is disconnected. So would if you'd mind advancing the slides for me. Thanks very much. Uh, Uber reserve, book rides in advance, get extra wait time. That's the uh, tagline of uh, a latest uh, Uber advertising campaign. My favorite one is the one when the family, they're getting ready to go to the airport. They've got all their bags packed. And the little boy says, Mummy, where's Froggy? And then suddenly the music changes into this very ominous sounding music. And uh, the house is turned upside down as they look desperately for Froggy, who is hidden in the back of the dog's little um, bed area. They weren't ready. What about you and me? How good are you at getting ready? Um, are your children good at getting ready for school? Was your wardrobe ready for the sudden arrival of autumn? Um, this week. If we're ready, then we can look forward to whatever's coming. Uh, if we're not ready, we may need to face the consequences. Are we ready for Jesus? That's the uh, life-changing question at the heart of today's passage. Uh, in the previous passage, Jesus finishes by saying in verse 31, seek his kingdom. Make Jesus' kingdom your priority. Look forward to Jesus' kingdom. And today, in our passage today, he says, this is what it's going to be like when the kingdom comes, when the king arrives. Be ready, Jesus says. And that is important for us, whether we're Christian believers this morning or not. Maybe today you're here at church and you know that Jesus is not your king. His kingdom is not your priority. Maybe you know quite a lot about him. Maybe you know very little. This passage makes it clear that you cannot ignore Jesus forever. He is the king. You need to be ready. Or if we're Christian believers, we're already living for his kingdom. This passage shows us what it looks like to be ready for the king. It helps us to, to look forward to the future and to live in the present seriously as people who are ready. There are three instructions based on three realities, and the first one is this. Be ready, Jesus is coming back. Be ready, Jesus is coming back. Look at verse 35. Jesus says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Now, a wedding banquet in those days could last for a whole week, so who knew when the master was going to come back? He could come back tonight. He might come back tomorrow night. He might come back in several days. And so the servants have to be ready at any hour of any day, expectantly watchful, lamps burning, lights on. When is he coming? It reminds me of a scene I saw the other day. I was going for a run on my usual route up towards Wimbledon Village, and there was a very smartly dressed driver standing next to a very smart car, 
uh, just next to, or on the other side of the road, to a very large gated house. He wasn't sitting behind the wheel, smoking a cigarette. He wasn't playing Candy Crush on his mobile phone. He was ready to serve. But whereas his master might have made polite conversation as he drove them to some fancy restaurant for lunch, or maybe not even said a word, this master does something absolutely extraordinary. Verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will make them recline at table and will come and wait on them. The Bible often describes heaven as a wedding banquet, a time of great celebration as Jesus, who is the bridegroom, is united with his bride, the church. And the picture in these verses is almost reversed as the master brings the wedding banquet to his servants. He doesn't get home from the party, uh, put his feet up uh, and uh, ask for a cup of tea, ask to be waited upon. No, he serves his servants instead and he shares the joy of the banquet with them. It's a glorious picture of what Jesus is like. He's the servant king. We often uh, accuse politicians nowadays, don't we, of only being in it for themselves. I guess that's sometimes true. It's sometimes not true. It is never true for Jesus. Famously, Jesus washed his disciples' feet as a picture of how he was going to serve them. And then he fulfills that picture by dying on the cross to win their forgiveness. And then Jesus rose again and he says, I'm going to come back. But when he comes back, he won't suddenly start being the king who expects to be served. He will continue to be the servant king. And he will serve his people by inviting them to share the joy of heaven with him forever. So here's the lesson. Be ready. Jesus is coming back. Verse 38. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. Now, I had a parcel. It was due to be delivered on Monday. And you know how it works. You get the, the thing through your email or your app, and it says it's going to be delivered between 14.01 and 15.01 in the afternoon. You say, okay, right, I'm going to stay in. So I stay in. Guess what? doesn't come. So it gets rescheduled. It gets rescheduled for, for Tuesday uh, Tuesday, it's going to come between 15.27 and 14.27. Stay in, doesn't come. Wednesday, tells me it's going to come a certain time. Comes five hours early, not when I'm expecting it. Have you ever had a story like that? Many arrivals are unreliable. Jesus' return is not. We don't know exactly when he's coming, but he's definitely coming. And so we must be ready Expecting the unexpected at any moment. Be ready. Jesus is coming back. Verse 39. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, it was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. So no homeowner is going to go out for a meal or out to see friends if they know that their house is on the local hit list of the local burglar. Well, what is that homeowner going to do? He's going to make sure he installs a new alarm system. He's going to put up some CCTV. He's going to stay at home waiting with a few of his more muscly mates. If you expect a burglar, you get ready. Similar with Jesus. We don't know exactly when he's coming, but we still need to be ready. 
If not, he won't knock on the door. He'll break the door down. Verse 40. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus doesn't spell out the consequences of not getting ready, but it's a little bit like that Uber advert where suddenly the music turns ominous. The music turns ominous here in the background. He refers to himself as the Son of Man. That is the title he, he often uses to describe himself. It's a title which, descri- which describes the one that God has appointed to be the judge of everybody of all time, the one who's coming back one day. Not being ready for the eternal almighty judge of everything is not a matter of indifference. He won't give us extra wait time. We need to be ready now. So if you're not yet a Christian believer this morning, that means putting your trust in Jesus before it's too late. Realizing that he came to serve you by dying in your place. Submitting to him as the king who rose from the grave to to rule forever. Looking forward to his return when he will come and serve you by inviting you to share the joy of heaven with him. Now you may be here this morning, you may think I've got loads of questions. Well that essentials course is a good place to ask those questions. Church is a good place to ask those questions. A Christian friend is a good person to ask questions of. But for those of us today who are already following Jesus, the question I think is slightly different. How do you make sure that you are always ready? What does it look like to be ever ready for Jesus? Second, be faithful, Jesus will reward you. Be faithful, Jesus will reward you. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? So who is he asking? Who's he talking to? Is he talking to Peter and the other 11, the 12 apostles, or the other kind of disciples who are following Jesus? Or is he talking to the whole crowds? Remember, there's thousands of them here at this point. I think Jesus is talking to both in different ways. Verse 42, the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. So this servant has a serious responsibility. Give the food to the other servants at the the right time whilst the master is away. And if he fulfills those duties, then he's got a reward to look forward to, a promotion. Verse 44, truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So Jesus, I think, is speaking, first of all, to people who have particular responsibility in the church. People that he has put over the church to lead and care for his flock. So we could say, pastors and elders and deacons and bishops and whatever other title you might want to give to somebody, those people need to show that they are ever ready for Jesus by being faithful to him, to the tasks they've been given. But I don't think it's just those with church titles and church salaries. Uh, Maybe as a home group leader or as a Sunday school teacher or as a a welcomer or as a musician or just someone who is a spiritual brother and sister to, to others. We have responsibilities to fulfill, and Jesus expects us to fulfill those faithfully. We may do one thing in one season of life, we may do something in another. But as long as we've got that responsibility, we are called to be faithful servants of Jesus. Be faithful, Jesus will reward you. 
When will that reward come? Well, maybe it will come in this life as Jesus um, gives us more responsibility if we serve faithfully. But it will certainly come in the future when we will serve Jesus forever. And we might be sitting here thinking serving someone doesn't sound like much of a reward. But serving Jesus is what we were made for. Do you remember last week we saw the parable of the rich fool? The guy just wanted to gather all his possessions and thought, I'm going to have a a great life because I've got all this stuff. But he lost everything, didn't he, when he died? His self-serving approach to life left him with nothing to enjoy for eternity. Notice the contrast here. This servant faithfully serves his master. In verse 44, he is put in charge of the Lord's possessions. Not gathering his own possessions for this life, but a responsibility to share the Lord's possessions for eternity. That is an amazing reward. So serving the Lord now will pay off faithfully. Sorry, serving the Lord faithfully will pay off in the future. That is worth remembering, especially if you're here this morning and and you're in any sort of position of, of leadership in the church, but it does apply to all of us too. What though if we choose not to be faithful? What happens then? We've just met, if you like, the kind of hero. Now we meet the villain. Verse 45, But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming, And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The first servant is faithfully obedient. This servant, blatantly disobedient. He imagines he's a fool, basically. He imagines he's not accountable to anyone, and he's definitely not accountable to God. And the consequences are very ugly. Not just kind of self-centered pleasure-seeking, but abusing the people he's supposed to be caring for. We all are familiar, aren't we, with the abuse of power in the world. But the abuse of power is also a terrible danger in the church, including amongst evangelical churches like ours. And in recent years, far too many gifted and successful, outwardly gospel-preaching Christian leaders have been exposed as power abusers. People who have bullied their congregations, emotionally manipulated people, even physically and sexually abused people under their care. What will the Lord do with a person like that? Verse 46. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Why is this man described as an unbeliever? It's not that he didn't believe in the master. He knew his master existed, but he didn't believe the master. He didn't believe the master's words, and so he just did whatever he wanted to do. And the master knew that he was just putting on a show that he didn't truly believe. And so a supposed servant like this is not going to escape the eternal punishment, destruction that they deserve. That ought to be a sobering reality, a sobering warning to us that we are accountable to God to how we use the power he has entrusted to us. No one is immune to the temptations of power. 
And so please do pray for, for all those in positions of leadership, not just within this church, but in other churches, that we would use the power that God has given to us to serve people, not to serve ourselves. But Jesus' warning should encourage us too. God is not going to overlook any form of abuse, not in the world and not in the church, including the abuse of false teaching, of teaching people stuff that is just not true. From time to time, churches may need to deal with abusive teachers like this, abusive leaders like this servant. That is going to be a painful process. But we can hold on to the fact that God will make a final reckoning. He's coming back. Don't forget that. And so Jesus answers Peter's question on two levels. Uh, yes, he is speaking to people who are in positions of leadership, but yes, he's also speaking to all of us. The lesson, I think, is simple. Wherever we are, be faithful. Jesus will reward you. Be ever ready for Jesus' return by faithfully serving him, whatever responsibilities he's given to you. And the last two verses, I think, highlight the attitude we should have as we undertake that faithful service. So third, be serious. Jesus expects much from those who've received much. Be serious. Jesus expects much from those who've received much. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. Now, I think these are quite difficult verses to understand. And I think there are a couple of possible ways we could read them. And so I'm going to try to talk us through those. First of all, Jesus could be speaking about different degrees of punishment in hell for people who don't believe. Second, he could be describing some form of discipline for people who do believe but who fail to live up to their responsibilities or their knowledge. He's not really talking about hell at all, according to that reading. Uh, and I'm slightly puzzled. I'm not quite sure which one to go. So here's the first the Bible does teach about a reality that there will be differing degrees of punishment in hell. Not everyone will be punished in exactly the same way. It will be perfect, but, but different. Based on how much a person has abandoned themselves to sin, based on how much somebody leads other people into sin, based on how much a person has rejected the gospel light or the gospel privilege they've received, no one will be able to complain that God's justice, eternal justice, is unfair. So that's option one. It is biblical, but I'm not 100% sure it's what Jesus is talking about. Do you notice how the servant we've just met, the abusive servant, he is assigned a place with unbelievers. He's cut in pieces. It's a dreadful picture. These servants, though, they're, they're still punished, but they're punished less severely. They still seem to have some sort of relationship with the master. They're not cast out into the place of unbelievers. So option two, I think, is that these are true believing servants who, who lose potential rewards in kingdom. They don't, they don't lose entry to the kingdom, but they do lose potential rewards in the kingdom. It is sort of a self-inflicted blow. That is um, the reading I'm leaning towards um, I think Paul says a similar thing in 1 Corinthians 3. So 
Would you just keep a finger in Luke? We're just going to have a quick, a quick look there at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as well. Let me tell you the page once I get there. The page is 1,146. So 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13, and uh, page 1146. Paul says, Their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even only as one escaping through the flames. So Paul says Jesus is going to test the quality of the work we do for him in this life, whether we are church leaders or not. We will be judged by the work we do, but we will be saved by his grace. Nothing we do gets us to heaven. God takes us there by his undeserved mercy, but he doesn't ignore anything we do on the way to heaven. It all counts. So you see the sort of attitude believers in Jesus are supposed to have as they get ready for the king. Be serious. Jesus expects much from those who've received much. Just back in in Luke 12, verse 48, this is the principle. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. It may be a truth we know, it may be resources we have. God expects us to use those for his kingdom. He expects more from those who lead the church, but he expects more from ordinary Christians too, who've got all those resources and all that knowledge. Maybe it's being raised in a Christian home or attending a church that teaches the Bible faithfully, or having Christian books available in our language, or websites, or podcasts, or conferences. Maybe it's simply living in a country where we're free to meet without fear of persecution. Or it could be having a church building, even if half of it is full of scaffolding. It might be having money in the bank. It might have gifted people in a church family serving in all sorts of different ways. God gives us a lot, both as individuals and churches, He entrusts us with it and he expects more from those who've been given more. So what will motivate us to keep serving Jesus faithfully? It's partly that we're looking forward to the recognition, the reward. But it's also realizing that in the present, serving the king is the most awesome privilege we could ever have. He saves us by grace, undeserved free grace and forgiveness but he judges us by our works. It counts. So be serious. Jesus expects much from those who've received much. Um, One of those Uber drivers, they will give you extra wait time to get ready. How much time has Jesus given us to get ready? This life is his gift to us to get ready. Being a Christian isn't about vaguely looking forward to some sort of future that may or may not arrive. It is about getting ready for the return of the King. Are you ready? 
Again, if you know this morning you're not yet a Christian and Jesus is not your king, can you see from our passage today just a glimpse of the fact that he is the most loving king you could ever want to have in your life. He served you by dying for you at the cross so you could be forgiven. He will serve you again when he returns. He'll say, come into the wedding banquet and share in my joy. Will you welcome him into your heart? He knocks at the door. He's ready to come in. Be ready. Jesus is coming back. But if you are living for him, keep living for him by serving him faithfully. Look forward to that reward. Don't use your power for yourself, but use it to serve him. Be faithful. Jesus will reward you. And remember all the way through that it is the greatest privilege of all to serve King Jesus. Jesus expects much from those who've been given much. So let's serve him joyfully, but also seriously. Should we spend a moment of quiet as we pray these things into the quietness of our own hearts as God leads us to pray by his Spirit?